anybody who can walk 26 miles, and I don't care how long it takes you, you know, 26 miles without, you know, taking a break, I, I say God bless. I do. You know, and, and, and people wrote in, it might have taken a ridiculous amount of time for Benji to finish, but I still give him major props for following through and completing a marathon. Congrats to Benji. Don't listen to any of the negative comments from the trolls. You have, in fact, completed the New York City Marathon. Um, he did that, yeah. Yes, he did. And, and you know, so one person wrote in, Benji looks like he hasn't aged at all. I saw pictures of him on Twitter from the marathon. The dude might be in his mid-50s, but he looks 25, and he's still <laughs> in his athletic prime. Um <laughs> We also learned that Benji was scared of going hungry during the marathon, so he stuffed his pockets with Cliff Bars. That's uh, Howard, crazy. Benji, it is. Benji could take all those Cliff Bars and stuff them in his pockets, but he couldn't wear a lav mic for the show. Mm. Howard, Benji ruins the show. Stop putting him on the show. In fact, fire his lazy ass. He does all this on purpose. He won't even carry the microphone, but he has towels, sweatshirts, Cliff Bars in his pockets. The guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> Anyway, um, by the way, a lot of women wrote me, too. We were talking about Pete Davidson, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Pete Davidson has to get all these hot chicks, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of women wrote, um, as a single woman, I look at Pete and think he's attractive. He's funny, he's interesting, witty, intelligent, and emotionally deep. Lucky Kim Kardashian. So the ladies like him. I mean, you know, thank God. I say, look, I know how I look. I see him as a hero to guys like me. If he could be, you know, with that many fantastic-looking... If he could get Ariana Grande, there's hope for everybody. Howard, I'm so happy for Pete Davidson. Some girls, just like a funny guy. Pete Davidson has the same appeal as Howard. It's his sense of humor and wittiness. I think that's... And wit. That women are attracted to. So there you go. Ariana Grande. I did also find some tape of, uh, in fact, Ralph, yeah, I got proof that Ralph dated Terry Farrell. We were talking about guys on our show don't have much luck with uh, hot women. But Ralph did, indeed, did indeed date the actress Terry Farrell from Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. Because I found the tape. Here's the clip to make everybody crazy. What's the most important? Long one. Here it is. The other day, Terry had an audition set up. Yeah. For some big show or something? Uh-huh. She missed her audition because she was out with Ralph all night, and they were back at her place. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> and I think they were doing no. stuff. No. Stop it. No, that's going too far. Yeah, they did stuff. Well, yeah. What do you mean, Terry? We, we hung out. Yeah, and what'd you yeah. do? Did you make out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You made out with no. Ralph. Yeah. Oh, oh not, too much. we're not going to be able to live him now. What are you psycho? No, it was great. Are you gonna have sex with Ralph? I gotta know. I don't know. I've made up my mind yet. Uh, that's a yes. <laughs> anyway, Terry's now happily married. She actually married uh Leonard Nimoy's son, Adam Nimoy Nimoy. Well there you go. And uh there were a couple of guys on the show who sounded very jealous when Ralph was dating her. Very beautiful woman. All right, anyway, so uh, let me take a break. We're going to talk to Emily Ratajkowski. I read her book. It's pretty fucking awesome, actually. Some heavy stuff going on there. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I will give it a big recommendation. Uh, I'm not a huge book reader, but this one had me fascinated. Um, you, you know Emily from the um, 
Robin Thicke video. Blurred lines. That's all. Let me tell you something. I'll, I'll tell you this. The reason I got turned on to that song was because of her. Everyone was like, hey, you got to check out this video. So anyway, she wrote a whole book about her life and beauty and a bunch of fucking assholes who try to bring her down. It's a pretty amazing story. Book is called My Body. Well, I'll talk to her next, right after these words. Emily Ratajkowski is here. I first got turned on to Emily Ratajkowski like like most of everyone else. Hi, hi, Emily. Nice to meet you. Hey, Howard. How are you? Hey, how's it going? I see you everywhere. I mean, you're promoting the book. You're doing a good job. You're out there on all the shows. I mean, is it exhausting? Um, you know, it's kind of gratifying to be honest, but, um, it is a little exhausting, but I had some wine last night and coffee this morning. I'm feeling pretty good. What are you doing? You staying in a hotel in New York? No, I live here. Oh, you live in New York. I thought you were LA. Well, you were, you, you were raised in, uh, LA, right? Out in California. In, um, in San Diego in California. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great part of the country. San Diego it really is often. It is. It's. Yeah, it is. It's so beautiful. It's it's crazy. Um, I grew up in a, a little beach town in San Diego. I was watching you on The View, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is weird probably to say, but I was wondering what you were going to wear. Because you are such a beauty, and uh, you look great. I mean, we know that. Uh, but But it's weird. Like, when you have to decide to be on The View, mm-hmm. and you know those yentas are going to look you over, and does it, you know, and this is the weird thing. Forget men looking at you. When women look at you, you know they're making judgments. And if you're out mm-hmm. there promoting a serious book, if you walked in there with like a, an outfit that you just thought was so fucking great, mm-hmm. but it was a little too glamorous and made you look a little too hot, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be on your side. You've experienced that, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I write about it in the book. I feel like. I don't know. I mean, I feel like every woman experiences that every day when she gets stressed. Um, yep. And especially actually in New York City, it's heightened because you're immediately kind of in the public the second you step out your door. Whereas in L.A., you know, you get in your car, you don't you're going to go somewhere specific here. You're you're really, you know, the public is is looking at you. Um, and I feel like it's always kind of a negotiation. And um, when I was younger, I really wasn't aware of that as much. Um, and I think I was a little bit um, bullish and felt, you know, like, Hey, I want to wear this dress. Who cares what people think? That's their problem. But I think it actually did hurt me at certain moments. And there were, there are times I even write about it in the book where, um, or maybe I took out this specific line, but my publicist kind of warned me and said, you know, she's got it. You got to stop dressing this way. If you want to be taken seriously as an actress, you can't wear low cut, you know, dresses to events, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I think about even when you were going to school mm. and, you know, and you started getting attention like you were 12 years old for your looks and your mom. And I'm going to get into all that because I really have so many questions. I thought the book was fabulous, <laughs> by the way. I, I it brought you. up I, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, man, you got me thinking about everything. And oh, that's I can't. all I wanted. <laughs> yeah, you really got me thinking. And I, I was shocked. I went down. I said to my wife, you got to read this book. Because she brings up a lot of the things. My wife was in the modeling industry and she mm-hmm. really encountered some really fucked up things. I said, it's yeah. almost like you could have written this book. And mm. uh, I thought, I think it's an important book. I actually do. 
and and that's yeah. just the thing. You know, a lot of people look at you and go, oh, she can't write a book. You know, she couldn't write an important book. Well, yeah, fuck yeah, you could. I mean, you, you had a lot of weird experiences. But I was even thinking, even as a young girl, when you were going to high school, and if you wore a provocative outfit, did you get unbelievable attention from male teachers? Were they ever inappropriate with you? So, I mean, I think my experience, you know, as early as 12 at, um, at you know, 12, 14, like in that kind of range where I didn't even really totally know what sex was, but I had this woman's body. It was a really um, odd experience to kind of like wear a tight shirt or something because you'd make people feel really uncomfortable because I, I was a child. Um, and so, you know, I knew that the boys at school would think I was hot and that, you know, guaranteed some kind of status and even made you some, some female friends, which was important. Um, but then at the same time, yeah, you, I would often feel, you know, like really ashamed and kind of embarrassed and, um, like something was wrong with me. I didn't have any, you know, male teachers. I had a, a vice principal one time um, snap my bra strap because, you know, there was a dress code at my, my middle school and she just like snapped it and said like, this shouldn't be out. And it was in front of a male teacher who I really liked. And I remember feeling like so horrified, not, not that she had done anything wrong, more that like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed that the fact that I'm wearing this bra was pointed out in front of this male teacher I really like, you know. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so weird. And don't, don't you think that this, this principal or whatever she was, was jealous of your body in a, in a sense you had to somehow humiliate you? I don't know if it was jealousy. I think it was, um, it could have honestly been, I know this sounds weird, but it could have been her wanting to protect me in a really oh, twisted maybe. way. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, women know what can happen <laughs> and the you know the kind of attention that you can get and maybe in some way she thought she was protecting me obviously it didn't feel like that and i i have come a long way to even be able to kind of offer her that but i mean i've i do think that could have been part of it you know it's weird i actually have to thank you for something and this is such a weird story i read the daily mail all the time and you're in the daily mail all the time and I love to read the comments underneath. Now, if there's an article about me, I won't read the comments underneath because I can't handle it. It's too brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't deal with it, you know. But your whenever you are in the Daily Mail, which is almost every single day, and if you're in a bikini or something looking fabulous, and I mean fabulous, I say to myself, this is one of the best looking women I've ever seen. I say, I got to read. The this is how you help me. I got to read these comments because if they say she's ugly, I know they're all out of their fucking mind because there's no way someone would look at you and think you were ugly. Mm. Sure enough, I go down there. Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, she's gross. Oh, she has no ass. She has a, a big deal. Who oh, we've seen it already. It's not that great. She's too skinny. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, her belly button is too big. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I read it and I said, thank God. I'm liberated now. If these mm -hmm. assholes think that she, her body is not good, then nobody's body is good. Then they're out of there. They're just saying it to be. It's you know funny. What I mean? I've it, done that before, too. I've read, you know, women that I think are super, super beautiful and read their comments on Daily Mail just to kind of to do the same thing that you did. Yeah. Because yeah. then you go, oh, OK, they do that to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. Daily Mail's. um 
strange. I have the app. I'm embarrassed to admit. Um, but I also, me too. you know, I'm curious to know what, what pictures are going up of me. And I've learned though to, to not read the comments. It's just, it's not even worth it. Um, there's nothing, there's no insight I can gain. There's nothing, nothing good can come from it from, for me. On Instagram, do you read the com- comments? Um, in other words, on your Instagram, do mm-hmm. you kind of, and I know you're hung up on this because I would be too. Mm. Let's face it. A lot of your businesses, how many people are following me on Instagram? Have you ever done the metrics and figured out, is it mostly dudes or is it like 50-50 split between women and men? Who's really looking at your Instagram? It's 60-40, men 60%. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, you know, honestly, it used to be it used to be something like 70-30. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's kind of bumped up. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting men kind of from all ages, but women tend to be a little bit younger. My following. I got, I got to know you obviously through blurred lines. And, and, and Mm -hmm. so I was really anxious in the book when you write about, you know, about that specific instance with that video. Mm -hmm. And I was always growing up a fan of rock videos. Mm -hmm. MTV was the shit, you know, it was so cool. And MTV you would 99% of the videos back in the heyday of MTV were hot chicks like ZZ Top. They, you know, I watched all their videos, but it was the hot chicks running Tawny Katane, who was uh, in white snake videos. There were certain women who really could drive up the, 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 the numbers of people who watched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I read that you said, Hey, as great as blurred lines is, you know, for me, in terms of getting me out in front of the public and making me worldwide famous, mm-hmm. you can't listen to the song anymore. That it, it yeah. you, you describe it like PTSD. Is it? <laughs> is it because I'm not sure if it's PTSD. Um, it's more, you know, it's like I, <laughs> you know, how um, one hit wonders or I don't know, like Van Morrison doesn't want to play Brown Eyed Girl, or I assume that he probably doesn't want to play Brown Eyed Girl. Um, it's like that, except I didn't write the song. <laughs> so I have no, I just showed up to work one day and then, you know, there's a song that I'm sort of always associated with, although it has changed. It used to be, you know, I'd be in a bar and it'd come on and I could just feel everyone turn to me and I would like duck. And, you know, it was like almost like they expected me to like start doing a dance. <laughs> um, that was maybe that has really subsided in the past five years. But for the first couple of years, that was definitely true. And so actually, funnily enough, I would hear the Marvin Gaye song and sometimes think that it was blurred lines and like bolt to the bathroom <laughs> um, before it could wow. come on. And then I'd be like, oh, OK, it's actually not the blurred lines song. So it's weird because you want attention. And then yet when the song came on, you feel like crawling into a hole and it's impossible to describe to some, like, like to the average guy says, so why are you so ashamed? But the thing is, mm-hmm. it's so much intense, um, scrutiny when that song comes on. Mm-hmm. People are looking at you to see what you're going to do when that song comes on. And it's got to yeah. be weird. Yeah. Do you, when, it's the, just the awkward. Day, honestly, it feels awkward. <laughs> the day you went on the set, speaking of Marvin mm-hmm. Gaye. And they played the track for you. I don't know if you heard it in advance or you just walked on the set and never even I heard didn't. the song before. When you walked on, when they start playing it for you and they say dance, to me, I, I, this is all mind blowing stuff. Did you say to yourself, you know, this sounds like Marvin Gaye? It's, or, or, or was that not, was that not in your awareness? I, I honestly just don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I'm sure I probably thought, 
Oh, this sounds a little familiar. I don't know. Um, definitely later, I because of that experience of you know wanting to recognize the song um, and kind of hide before it before it kicked in. Um, I got really familiar with the kind of how similar the beginning of the song was, but I yeah. don't remember if the day of I had that thought or not. You know, I want to reframe this for you, if I may, and I don't know if you'll buy into it, but I think the song was a good song, but it wasn't really that big a hit until mm -hmm. you were in that video. The way I got turned on to that song, and the song had been out for a while, some dude mm -hmm. called me up and said, you got to check out this chick in the video. Mm -hmm. She is so fucking hot. And I mean, for real, that in a way, I, I think you can take some ownership of that. That you really drove that thing. You really did. Not yeah, the two listen, other girls. I'll take it from you. I'm not talking. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that. But um, I'll. I'll accept it if you say it. The other two women, and you mm -hmm. say in the book, "Hey, I got a lot of comfort that day on the set because I was naked." And and I think the reason America and everywhere around the world went so crazy for this, it wasn't like to me. It was almost the ultimate rock video. Every mm. rock video I'd seen up until that point always hinted at nudity and sexuality, but they never really showed it. Yeah. You walked in there under a bright light. The lighting mm -hmm. on that set that day was so fucking hot and bright. Mm -hmm. And you stood there and said, hey, I'm going to dance. I'm mm -hmm. nude I'm, and I have nothing to be ashamed of. I had never seen yeah. a video like that. I'd never seen a video with that bold. Yeah, it's funny because I'm, um, I grew up kind of more with like, um, rap videos. Like I'm thinking of, um, Snoop Dogg and Pharrell's song, Beautiful. And I remember watching that when I was 13 and thinking these are the most beautiful women in the world. Like how cool that they were in this. I think the videos in, um, Rio or in Brazil and thinking, oh my God, like the most beautiful women come from Brazil and how amazing. Um, but when, when I got the offer for this video, I sort of, um, I just, I, I wasn't, you know, I was worried that it was going to be, I don't know, just cheesy, really cheesy. Um, but what I think, you know, makes the video work isn't just that there's sort of this like shameless whatever. It's that, um, I'm being kind of stupid in it. I'm being kind of silly. I'm not dancing like super sexually. Obviously I'm naked. Um, so it's sexual kind of, you know, in that way, but there's a silliness to it. And I think that that's what actually makes the video. Um, interesting and not just another cheesy, cheesy, you know, rap video or a rock video. Well, the other mind blowing thing about that video was if you remember in the nineties, everyone had like, had gone anti, we're not putting a hot woman in our video. Nirvana came out, um, you know, Soundgarden, all these cool indie bands came out and they blew everyone's mind by the fact that they didn't put any of that in. It was just the band or it was kids but it wasn't mm -hmm. the quote-unquote hot woman. All of a sudden, yeah. when this video came out, it was like, not only are we putting hot women in it, but we're, we're, we're intentionally just throwing it in your face. It was mm -hmm. sort of mind-blowing. It really, really was mind-blowing. And, and I understand your confusion, too. You were probably like, you know, Jesus, what is this set? And we're running around naked. And what the other weird thing is, and I don't know how much analysis you've done of this, the other two women, beautiful women, in the video, there was a, a black woman and a blonde haired mm -hmm. woman from what I remember, mm -hmm. but it's you, you're the only one everyone saw. 
And that had to blow your mind, too. Yeah, that they, I don't even know their names. Do you know yeah, their names, Ellen, those women? Ellen and Jesse. Ellen and Jesse. Um, um, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. It was I, weird. Um, yeah, yeah. I've only, I haven't, I think I saw Elle once at a party in L.A., um, but I, I haven't seen Jesse again. So it's that it factor. And, and what I love in your book, you say, when I was a little girl, I would pray that I would be beautiful. Mm. That, this is, sounds crazy, but I would pray that maybe some weird accident would happen where no one else would have a voice and I'd be the only guy left on the planet with a radio voice. Oh my God. And I, wow. and I always thought that was so strange. Mm. But like you, laying in bed as a kid... It's like you pray for a superpower and beauty mm -hmm. is a superpower. I don't care what anyone says. Some of us are blessed with it and some of us are not. Mm -hmm. And beauty really is a superpower and it leads people to be jealous of beauty. And mm -hmm. that's what I think is the essence of some of your book. And I think it's something really worth contemplating. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's in it was interesting to me to think about you know, I was really young. I, I want to say even before I was 10, like a, a little girl. And um, that seemed to me like to be the best superpower you could wish for. Um, yep. You know, not being super funny, not being super smart, you know, not even like safety or I don't know, you know, I, pay, I prayed for yeah. beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And you got into this thing. And I hate to say it. I got the same thing, this magical thinking. It has mm -hmm. plagued me my whole life. Oh, I'm glad um, to hear that. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I work up with a psychiatrist mm -hmm. all the time. I literally, to this day, in order to have some kind of good fortune or to be the greatest radio personality or whatever, I would tap on cups. I would, mm -hmm. I would do rituals repeatedly in order to ensure my safety in the world and my place in the world. Yeah. And I knew it was... Thing. Yeah, you write about it. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. I get it. Like you would say, I've got to be the most beautiful mirror, mirror mm -hmm. on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? Yeah. Yeah. Where does that come from? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to figure out in the book. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, I think one thing I definitely know is that as a little girl, it seemed to me the most powerful women were the most beautiful um, there were like, you know, rock stars and presidents and all kinds of different types of powerful men. But for me, it was like throughout time, you could watch a movie, you know, and when Marilyn Monroe came on stage or on camera, it was like, oh, wow, she just, she wins. Um, you know, she's the most right. powerful and Britney Spears, obviously, um, I grew up in the early aughts and she, it just seemed like though, you know, sex, specifically sexy women were the most powerful. Yep. Um, and I wanted that. Um, and then I would also say, um, you know, my mom is super, super beautiful woman and her family had a really specific attitude towards the way she looked, which was, you know, you haven't done anything to earn your beauty. You can't even say thank you when someone compliments you on it. And I think there was a lot of shame for her around it. Um, and also, you know, also feeling special and feeling like it was this, this thing that made her really special and, you know, granted her a lot of things in her life. Um, I think, you know, she would kind of say, I want that guy and she would get him. Um, but when I was, you know, kind of coming into 
to my figure and to puberty, she really didn't want me to feel that shame. Um, and also, uh, as I started, well, as modeling became an opportunity, my parents, you know, my dad was a high school teacher. My mom was an English professor. They knew that college was expensive. Life was expensive. And the idea of their child being able to have a nice, you know, savings fund to go into the world with sounded really good. So um, they were kind of like, this is an opportunity we should allow her to have um, to make some money and maybe pay for whatever she really wants to do with her life. Um, so that's, yeah. I ended up. Maybe this wasn't your intention, but I ended up hating your mother from this. Oh, no. Oh, no. I did. Oh, God. Uh, I know your mother's still alive. Did your Mm -hmm. mother have a negative reaction? to? I'll tell you why I had a negative reaction. Yeah. Because, you know, first of all, going back to your mother's father. Mm -hmm. It's this is where you blew my mind. Your mother's father's attitude toward beauty is don't tell me about beauty. Don't tell me about that you're a beautiful woman because you didn't do anything to earn it. Now, that is just a shitty thing to say to Mm -hmm. anybody because who earns anything? In other words, a great singer, yes, they work at it, but it's a gift. Einstein's brain was a gift. Beauty Mm -hmm. is a gift. And to say to you that, Oh, it's a shitty thing. Or say to your mother who's beautiful, hey, mm-hmm. don't go bragging about, you know, don't talk about your beauty. It's to say, let's deny your gift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I've never thought about it that way. And I, I don't think she has, you know, at least put it in those words, in those terms. Oh, I got sad when I don't know if you get sad, but I got sad when I read about your mother. Your mother appears to me anyway that she was jealous. She couldn't hmm. deal. She'd say to you, she'd rob you of your beauty. She'd say to you, the only reason you're beautiful, you got it from me. But she didn't say that explicitly. Um, I think in kind some of. ways, I mean, I think she felt um, like it was a source of pride and the fact that she had a beautiful daughter reflected on her beauty. Um, and that it was kind of something to be proud of and that, you know, she had never had the opportunity to embrace it in the way that she maybe wanted to, um, because of her family and, you know, really felt like, like go for it, you know, let my daughter have this moment and, and maybe it'll be fun for me too. Um, but didn't you feel like she was taking ownership of your beauty by saying it's because of me? I, I, I definitely think that there was a way that it fed, you know, her ego. But like, of course, all parents, you know, you have a, I mean, I think about it. I have an eight month old son and I look at him and he's, he's beautiful. (laughs) Um, And it's really funny because my husband and I are like, we got to come up with other words. (laughs) We got to call, I mean, we can call him beautiful, but we got to come up with other words. We're like, you're so perceptive. Um, You're so, you know. um, But but, you're happy uh, for your son's beauty. You're celebrating it. Yeah. I don't know that your mother was. Because your mother Uh, would put, your mother would, your mother would put down. Just bear with me because maybe I'm Mm. overly hung up on this. And I've seen women do this with their daughters. Oh, I don't get how J-Lo is good looking, they'd say to you. Mm -hmm. Or I don't, uh, and this is from the book, you you know, she'd say to you, um, 
oh, I don't get that person's looks. I don't get that. I don't understand why they're, you know, in a way, it's it's putting so much pressure on you. You better look good because beauty is way important to me. And that's a heavy trick yeah. to put on a young girl. Yeah, I don't think she meant to do that, though. I really think that, you know, women have, because like you said, beauty can be a superpower. It can be a, woman, a, a woman's way of being powerful, being attractive, kind of knowing you know, assessing yourself and other women is a way of protecting yourself and maybe having better, you know, more access to that superpower. So I think yep. that a lot of the times moms, almost as a as a gift or as a way of like teaching your daughter about the world, kind of, you know, start to start to in little ways, very subtle, um, share their perspective on beauty. I had a, an ex, I, I think of this story sometimes and I didn't put it in the book, but um, an ex-boyfriend's mom, she was really like a philosophy professor. She she was very like hip, like, you know, left-leaning, like kind of bohemian lady. And um, she only had a son and we were at lunch one time and she said something about if I had had a daughter, you know, I'd really, I'd had made, I would have made sure that she, you know, stayed thin and like, that's that's important and i kind of spit up my food because i was like what <laughs> that's you know like with everything we know about eating disorders like you what and i realized that in her mind that would have been a way of protecting her daughter of loving her daughter because in her mind a thin woman is going to have a better life um i, guess, and I think that i guess yeah i mean i think that's just what her reality was and that would have been her way of loving her daughter um, and I think some of the ways that my mom sort of was teaching me about beauty and how to assess myself and assess other women she felt like was a way of um, helping me succeed even I guess but I mean in a way she made you crazy because you would lay in bed <laughs> saying I've got to be the hottest girl I've got to be the hottest girl I knew for me I had to be the greatest radio person if my father was ever going to notice me that was mm -hmm. my way of being a hot girl I had mm -hmm. to figure out a way to do something superhuman. That's who my father worshipped. That's so funny Famous because people. now, yeah, other um, people have said to me, oh, if you just replace the word beauty with smart or, you know, athletic, that's how I felt about my parents and how, you know, they loved me. Um, and it's been interesting to realize that so much of who we become is kind of just sometimes just to win the the affections of our parents and to be the person that we think they want us to be. It's crazy. I heard you say in an interview, I don't know if it was just recently, but you said, you know, uh, you, you realized after the blurred lines video came out that at some point, uh, Robin Thicke, uh, he unfriended you on one of these apps or he stopped following he you. Me. Yeah. He, he blocked, blocked you. Me. Yeah. And I heard your theory about it. You said, uh, Maybe he was uncomfortable because, as you point out, he groped you. He he he, mm. he grabbed your breast inappropriately during the uh, the filming of this thing. I don't think that's it. I don't think he even thinks he did something inappropriate. I think he what, blocked what's you. What's your theory? I'll tell you exactly my theory, and I've spent some time thinking about this once you said it. I think he blocked you because you now are more famous than him from his song, and that you actually got more attention from that song in the long run than he did in fact mm. you could say that video with its 17 billion views is all due to you and he can't fucking stand it it's a challenge to him and it makes him upset yeah. and angry what do you think of that 
I think that could be right. Um, yep. you know, I, um, I, it's, it's the, actually him blocking me is the thing that made me re- remember that moment on set because I was kind of trying to think like, what have I said in the press that would piss him off? What, you know, like, why would he have blocked me? Um, and, uh, I wonder if he even realizes he blocked me, honestly, it, it was a long time ago. I've been blocked for years and years. Um, but, um, it's possible. Oh, he knows he do. blocked you. He knows he blocked you. You know when you block I mean, someone. Why? He does he definitely does now. Um <laughs> but um yeah, so think no, about I think it. No, I mean one you... of the things that I felt on set, one of the kind of and I write about it in the book is you know, we were having a really good time. I had a great time on that set in general, and I think that's a part of this experience that kind of people have a hard time wrapping their head around is that I both had a great time and also this moment happened, you know, where I felt humiliated and blah, blah, blah. But it was actually, I think kind of the, what I remember. And again, this is, I don't go too far into the, in the book because I don't want to, um, you know, put my thoughts onto someone else. I don't know what he was thinking, but I remember that all the women, everybody, we'd been alone, just kind of like shooting our project. It's what it felt like. And he came on to set and, um, he felt, I felt like he was annoyed that he wasn't getting more attention. This was kind of his big moment, you know, Pharrell, T.I. were in this video, but it was his song. And I remember him kind of feeling, I don't know, like a little bit like, Hey, what about me? And yep. um, that's when that moment happened. Absolutely. It's where it, it wasn't sexual. It was like, hey, you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll not teach you a fucking lesson right now. I'm in control. It felt here. kind of this like, is- ha ha, ha ha, gotcha. Like almost like, um, yeah, yeah, that was the feeling behind it. Were you feeling any kind of, um, you know, hey, here comes the big star of the video. Were you feeling up until that time? Were you feeling like, hey, this is a guy I could even potentially be interested in? Uh, maybe no, you weren't feeling any of that. Uh, so I've always been really weird, and I write about this in the book. Like powerful men, I've never really like, I've never been into. And you know, I have, I know women who, you know, they a powerful guy, famous guys around. They're like, this is a potential partner, and why wouldn't they think that? For some reason, I always get really turned off. <laughs> I I think I have a strange relationship with it. And I say it in the book, like I've always wanted this kind of moment where a powerful man's paying attention to me. I both feel like aggressive almost and kind of like want to puff out my chest and whatever and kind of give him a piece of my mind. And then the other part of me wants their attention, you know, so it's a strange thing. But I, I really, you know, famous men who've pursued me. I'm always like, oh, God. I mean, I also have to say actors you know probably a lot of them they're very specific type of type of dude and there's some great actors and friends with them whatever um but i don't know something about it (laughs) just doesn't work for me yeah no it's it's very hard to be involved with anyone who acts because when their careers are are shitty they take it out on you and Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot tied up in their own egos with how good you look you've got to look good for them so that when they present themselves publicly there's a lot of pressure there and maybe it's yeah. not unlike the pressure your mother put on you. Got to be beautiful. Got to be beautiful. You know, that's yeah, it. Yeah, and I think it's also about kind of, I don't want to feel like a prize in any way, you know. I want to just have a nice relationship where it feels Did, equal and, yeah. Right. Did Robin Thick ever mm-hmm. contact you after the video broke? 
Did he ever send you a gift? Did he ever call you up and say, thank you, my God, you're creating such a sensation? There was absolutely zero acknowledgement or contact. And I find that strange. Yeah, no, we've never spoken. One time I saw him at a party and he came. This was actually only three or four years ago. Uh, maybe actually less, like three years ago. And he kind of um, came up and said hi. Um, and I, at that point, had already started writing and was sort of like, oh, God, I don't really want to see this person. Um, right. That's the only time I've seen him or had contact. And I was also like, hey, man, you blocked me on Instagram. Like, you don't have to pretend like we're, you know. Our friends. What yeah. It? In a way, it, I don't want to say it was cursed for him, that whole song. But the mari his marriage broke up. Yeah. Uh, after this thing blew up, the the song never was able to write another hit song that I know of. I don't know. Maybe there mm -hmm. was. I, I I don't know. But it's like the guy fell off the face of the earth. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. You know, I don't know him, so I just I I don't have that much of a even a opinion, honestly. Um, I I interacted with him on uh, one day on set, and that's kind of what I know. I do I do know his um his current partner um and i write about it in the book she and i were modeling doing kind of like shitty e-commerce jobs together for um like forever 21 and websites like that when she was really i think she's a little bit younger than me and so she was like a teenager and i was maybe maybe 20 or something around the same time um and she was always lovely and you know when i wrote about this i thought about her and kind of you know they have kids together and i i just really, it was really hard for me to kind of put this in the book because I knew it was going to be this juicy tidbit that just everyone grabbed onto and it would become kind of, I'm sure there's people in the world who just think that this book is that, you know, and that, um, right. that was really hard for me to kind of accept that if I, if I included this the story that it was going to be, it was going to kind of overshadow a lot of the other things that I want to talk about. But I also feel like it's kind of the the ultimate example of, you know, the theme of the book, which is, you know, my evolution and my politics and my beliefs. And I always said, I, you know, I felt great on that, that video. I even said I was empowered and, um, it's just more complicated than that. There are power dynamics on that set that, you know, um, that I had not wanted to face for, for most of my twenties. Emily, were there things you left out of the book? Like, did you have, I'm sure being, um, just reading some of the stuff that we'll get into. Were there things that you said, hey, man, this is so fucked up. This is a guy who was famous or maybe even not even famous. But there was something mm -hmm. so bad that happened to me that I, I don't even know that I can face it or confront it or write it. Um, you know, you write about the rape of uh, it, it was made me so sad. This uh, I was picturing you as this uh, 15 year old girl who has this boyfriend who's who raped her, you know, um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you had sex with him the first time and you were, you were kind of exhausted. Mm -hmm. You had sex with him. You tell your mother she's disappointed in you rather than giving you a hug. Broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some months later, this guy's been stalking you. He's, you know, this is what you have to contend with. This guy's being mm -hmm. an asshole. Nobody's taking him seriously. And somehow you mm -hmm. end up drunk one night in his car and he just fucks you. And, mm -hmm. and you wake up and he's, he's raping you. It's outrageously horrible. And, I, and I'm so sorry that happened to you. Were there, were there things in your life that, that you just said, 
I should write about it, but for some reason I'm protecting these people. I, I don't even know why. I think I definitely didn't write about um, famous people. I mean, everybody's names have been changed in the book and everything, but um, right. other than the Robin Thicke kind of experience, which, you know, felt like, well, everybody's going to know what I'm talking about if I talk about a music video, you know, like it's specific. There's no hiding that name, whatever. Right. But um, there were other, there are other experiences that I decided to just not write about because I didn't want it to be this like juicy, scandalous celebrity memoir, because that's not what I set out to write. Right. You know, I've always wanted to be somebody who makes things. I've always wanted, I've always loved writing. Um, and it just felt like, okay, I'm going to do this one essay for this reason. But if I include this other stuff, it's just going to get sensationalized. People are going to be on Reddit forums, figuring out who people are. Um, right. and I don't want to do that. Um, but no, honestly, I mean, there are things that are personal that I I did not go into or I just didn't feel ready to talk about. But I mean, that that relationship specifically, I don't there wasn't something that I had more shame around. I mean, there's just not there isn't um, even hearing you talk about it now. I'm like, oh, because, um, you know, people talk about first loves and you know, this kind of like romantic, even just at the time when I was 14, 15, I thought like, I'm going to have my first boyfriend. This is going to be this, like what you see in movies, what people talk about this kind of like romantic, amazing thing. And it was fucked up. <laughs> it was fucked yeah. up. Yeah. You call him um, Owen was, in the book, that guy, yeah. Owen, uh, you know, the uh, made up name, obviously, but I yeah. think he felt comfortable writing about him too, because he's now dead. He, uh, he died yeah. of an overdose. Um, yeah. so in a way, you know, you're not, uh, you're not doing it, but why do you think, and there's probably a million reasons why, why do you think you never said anything to anyone? Why do you, why, why did you have to keep quiet about that rape? Did you not want Owen to go to jail? Did you not, what, what was holding you back? I mean, I was a kid and so I hadn't even really, you know, my idea of rape was like somebody, a stranger grabs you and pulls you down an alleyway and that's rape. Um, so in a lot of ways, I just didn't even think about consensual or non-consensual sex. Like that's not how I framed my experiences. Um, I knew that it was somebody that I had had consensual sex with before. So yes, you know, I woke up and I was I had not consented. I was basically unconscious um, and I was 15, but I just, I didn't, I think it was partly just not even wanting, not even realizing that it, it was rape and then also not wanting to make a big deal out of it. Um, right. You know, just I just wanted to go I, away. I felt ashamed of the fact that I'd even had sex. So then the idea of, you know, police like having to share with people just people my parents especially that this thing had happened you know it felt like it felt like it was going to be worse for me than like what was i going to get out of it by telling anyone yeah. i don't know i mean even right now i don't think that it would have given me maybe it would have helped me kind of deal with it and process it but i don't think that it would have been the right thing for me to do even in that time because it would have been so painful and I would have just felt horrible about, about myself and embarrassed. And, you know, I didn't want to be a girl who had experienced that, who'd gone with it. And there was another girl who charged him with rape. And that was a huge moment for me because it kind of blew me away that she had had the, the guts, the strength. Yeah. The guts to, to talk about it. And that was the first time I told 
one of my girlfriends about what happened. And she said to me, that sounds like rape. Um, and I like snapped at her kind of, and was like, what? No, you know? And then obviously the way that I snapped at her, it was like a slap in the face for me of, Oh, actually that's definitely what this is. And that's why this is stuck with you for so long. And this is why, you know, and that was just a really weird relationship in general because I hadn't, I didn't like want to hang out with him. I didn't really want, I didn't really like him in that way, but it just sort of felt like, oh, well, I'm in a new school. This guy is going to, you know, like help me meet friends, whatever. And whatever, if I hook up with him, that's how like life goes. I, you know, um, that's what happens when you're in high school, you start having sex, whatever. Um, so I just, I kind of hate it. I hate talking about it. Not because I mean, it's so painful, but the reason it's so painful for me is I, I kind of like do blame myself. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I tell this guy to fuck off? Why didn't I, you know, all, all many, many moments of kind of separating myself. I eventually did. Um, but it was a long process. You know, you talk about the modeling industry in your book, and I, and I mean, it's it's unbelievable because it's really not just about the modeling industry. I mean, th- because you were a model, these things happen to you, but it happens to women all the time. These photographers are such fucks. I'm not saying all photographers, but what you're talking about that goes on. You're a young girl. You're under you're like 20 years old, 19 years old. You go to a guy's studio because you, you're working for an agency. You're hired. And the guy who destroys me in this book is this, I don't know, I don't even know his fucking name. But he he gets you a little drunk during a shoot, try to loosen you up. You're working nude in his home, mm-hmm. I think, or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. He, he just dropped, it's crazy. He just dropped his kids off to school. He's got young children. Mm-hmm. Gets you in the room, gets you a little loaded. And during the shoot, he's putting his finger up you and taking advantage of you. But, you know, you using you like a, like a rubber doll. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and these guys, they get away with it. Again, history repeats itself. And you even tell them to stop because he's hurting you. But what the fuck kind of animal is this? And, and I think these guys feel, again, I hired you. You owe me your body and you owe me everything. You're mine. I rented you out for the day. Yeah. 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 Weird. I mean, I think that he, um, I think a lot of men, who work with, who decide to work with like young, beautiful women and photograph them have a strange relationship to those women. I think that they, they think these 19 year old, beautiful girls have so much power. They want a part of it. They also feel maybe a little pissed off by it. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I want to be, I think about this because I don't just think it's, men are terrible animals. Like there's reasons people do things and they come out of specific places, you know? Um, and I thought about this a lot because, um, I got a lot of men in my life. Um, and, um, I want to think about sort of like how these situations occur. And I, I don't think that he even thought he was 